Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch. Why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up, but give it a rest. You're gonna die one. That's right, you're going to die one day, and so am I. But first, let me tell you the stories of when I was alive. Um, this is episode three of Talking Out My Ass, and I intend to talk out my ass until we get to uh, Fairbanks. Uh, where I left off last time, I believe, was Ed and the fateful salmon that he caught up there in Petersburg. Um, when I left Petersburg... I had met these two guys at uh, the campsite where the the whole worms and the salmon thing happened. And um, uh, I'm going to change their names because I'm not sure that they would want to be known. And and as you'll hear, they're both um, unusual characters. So uh, let's call uh, one guy Russ. Uh, Russ was, these were both guys, they were in college at a, a university in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains somewhere. Probably shouldn't name that either. Uh, anyway, they, they were studying together in the university. They were buddies, and they had decided to go up to uh, Alaska together. And um, I don't know how long they had known each other, if they just met at school or what. I don't remember uh, that. But they were obviously really good friends. Uh, Russ was from a small ski town. Uh, he sort of looked like a ski bum, you know, long hair. And they were both very, very good looking guys, uh, very fit. And his buddy, who I'm going to call Brad, was a um, very interesting guy because he was a black Mormon. Um, I don't know how many black Mormons there are. I know that until a couple of decades ago, the Mormon church thought that uh, black people were. I don't know if they were, you know, evil or, or inferior. I don't, I don't know the uh, the specifics of the disdain with which um, Mormonism held black people, but I know that they were that there are no more than a handful of black Mormons in the world, probably. So, um, <clears throat> I hope I'm not uh, giving anything away here with uh, with Brad being a black Mormon. But in any case, uh, neither of these guys did anything they should be ashamed of, uh, but I'm just trying to be protective of them. Anyway, so what happened was that uh, I met them in Petersburg, and they were going north, and I was going north, and we ended up on the same ferry, and uh, we got off in Skagway together. I don't remember if we became friends on the boat or whether we just decided to you know, hitched together on the way out of town. I don't really remember how it all came together, but the three of us got off the ferry and stuck our thumbs out. And um, this is at the top of the ferry that runs up along the coast of Canada. And we're in this little town called Skagway, which if you ever saw the TV show Northern Exposure, it, it really sort of brings that to mind. Is like a frontier town, you know, warped, wooden floorboards you know in front of the saloon that kind of thing um ramshackle i think is the is the term that people would use 
So I don't remember if I spent a night in Skagway or we just headed straight out, but we uh, stuck our thumbs out on the, the main highway, I think the only highway that leads out of that town, uh, that heads up north. Now, keep in mind, from Skagway to where we were headed, which is Fairbanks, you're looking at well over a thousand kilometers. Uh, I don't know exactly how many it is, but it's it's far. It's days away, and it's days through tundra, through forests, through mountain ranges, through you know crazy stuff. And there's this. There was a highway that leads up from Skagway, and it connects to the Alcan Highway, which is this massive highway that runs from you know Alaska down through Canada through the Yukon Territories and. Um, that's the, the, the only driving route to getting up there. Now, keep in mind, when I was in Alaska, Sarah Palin was probably uh, in middle school. So a lot of things may have changed by now, but I'm telling you the way it was when I was there. This is 1983, uh, April, May, in there somewhere. So uh, the three of us are trying to hitch out of Skagway on this one road, and a guy, a local guy, picks us up, stops. Now, why the hell did we take a ride from a local guy? We're, we're going days away. And this guy, you know, he's in his pickup truck with his dog up front and drinking a beer. And he says, jump in the back. I'll give you a ride. Okay. So we just jump in the back. You know, it's in the right direction. What the fuck are we, what do we know? So we jump in the back of this guy's truck and he runs us up about 20 miles outside of town, pulls over, and says, okay, this is it. This is, I, I, you know, it's where I turn off. You guys want to stay on this road. This will take you up to Alaska to, you know, through the Yukon and all that. Um, and stupidly, we're like, okay, thanks, mister. Great. Not knowing that this guy's fucking with us. I mean, you know, why the hell would you take us 20 miles outside of town and leave us there? You're in the middle of nowhere. And then, so we're walking up the road thinking, well, this uh, this seemed great. And now it's like, what are we doing? We're in the middle of nowhere. We're 20 miles from the town. We can't walk back. And there are no cars on this road. The only cars that are on this road are the few locals. And there are like no houses to be seen in any direction. And the cars that come off the ferry. But the next ferry's not due for three days. And we still had the schedule with us. So we knew when the next ferry was coming in. You know, the ferry comes in, cars roll off the ferry, drive off, you know, most of them heading up to toward Fairbanks, and then that's it. And that's it. There's nothing. There are no more cars until the next ferry comes because there's, you know, there's nobody. There's no town. I mean, there's just this tiny little town. There's nothing, nobody going anywhere. So, and then a few minutes after we're walking up the road and this other guy drives by in a pickup truck. And he slows down. He says, hey, you guys seen a bear? And he said, no. He said, oh, I just shot a bear up there, but it got away. I don't know. So watch out for a wounded bear. There's one around here somewhere. And then he drives off. So now it's becoming clear. All right. The fucking locals like fucking with us, with college guys heading to Alaska for the summer you know, with their backpacks, they don't know how anything works. We're, you know, in Alaska, they say you're either from Alaska or you're from outside, right? That's, they, they differentiate Alaska and outside. So we were obviously from outside and that gave them the right to fuck with us. So that's what they did. Um, you know, fair enough. 
Fair enough. They've got their their life. They've got their home. They've got things. And I'm sure a lot of the people in our position who came up there looking for work, you know, just passing through for the summer, you know, cause trouble, fuck things up, whatever. Uh, that wasn't our intention, but but looking back on it, I can understand why people would be a little resistant. But it wasn't what you would call hospitality at that point. So eventually we find um, a river. We walk along the road till we hear a river and we cut down and there's this beautiful glacier-fed river. And we set up camp there and um, we hang out for a few days. And I had some, uh, some acid with me and these guys had never done it, but they were interested in it. So um, that's where... The two of them had their first LSD experience by the fire, you know, next to this river in Alaska. And I don't remember if we were like hanging our food from a tree, you know, because this is prime bear country. And, and we obviously weren't armed or anything. We had no way to defend ourselves against grizzly bears. Um, and I don't think we were fishing. I don't remember catching any fish or anything. So I think we were just eating the kind of stuff that uh, you have in your backpack, which is um, nuts and chocolate and maybe a salami and uh, some peanut butter and, you know, that kind of stuff that will last forever in a backpack. So we're eating that stuff and hanging out. And um, finally, a few days go by and we pack up all our stuff, break down, you know, our tents and everything. And by now we're, we're pretty good buddies. And we go up to the highway and, uh, you know, about uh, half an hour after the ferry had docked, all uh, the cars started coming. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Just passing by. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Three dudes, full grown men with big 60 pound backpacks standing by the side of the road with their thumbs out. Zoom, zoom. Everyone goes by. Zoom. Straggler. Doesn't stop. Well... Next ferry comes in on Thursday. Back down to the campsite, set up the tents again. Couple more days, living on nuts. And whatever the hell else we had in our backpacks. So that got kind of old, as you can imagine. I think there might have been one more day where we tried and watched all the cars drive by us. So next time, now we're like five days into this. Uh, we said, uh, you know, this is, this isn't working. Nobody's going to stop for three guys, right? This, it's crazy, especially you're looking at a thousand plus kilometer drive with three dudes who probably stink. I'm sure we stank by then because the river was so damn cold. You couldn't actually bathe in it. You would like, you know, scoop up a little bit and, splashing on your armpits but that's about the most you would do you nobody was swimming in that river that's for sure so uh so they said look since you're alone you you can stay up front we'll walk up the road you get the first ride and and you know maybe we'll see you up there somewhere so we said goodbye they wandered up the road a few minutes later stars the car started coming from the ferry and uh, so I'm by myself now, and, and I've got my thumb out, and unbelievably, a woman pulls over in a Volkswagen van 
which back in the 60s, they say if a Volkswagen van came, you knew you had a ride because that, that was like the pride of the hitchhikers. If you had a Volkswagen van, you were the kind of person who picked up hitchhikers. So this woman pulls over. She's in her 30s. She's got a big smile. I remember her being beautiful and just a wonderful energy. And she's got two little kids, probably about five and three. I think a boy, the boy was five and the girl was three. They're in the back of this van. There's like a big, like a bed area sort of, and they're hanging out there. This woman pulls over and says, where are you going? I say, Fairbanks. She says, oh, that's where I'm going. Jump in. (sighs) Unbelievable, right? Now, the first thing I think is those dudes are like maybe a mile up the road. They just start, they just left walking, you know, 20 minutes ago. Who knows how far up they are? So the first thing I say to this woman, you know, thank you so much. It's so nice. I'm like trying to make a good impression, right? I'm a nice guy. And I met these wonderful dudes. I was just hanging out with these really great guys. They're from Colorado or Utah or wherever they were from. They're really nice guys. Ah, oh, they're so, I do, we spent three days and I really got to know each other. I don't know. And the car came around the corner and I said, oh, hey, there they are. And she looked at me with this sort of like, <laughs> I know what you're doing. And she didn't want three guys in the van, I'm sure. But she pulled over. Hey, dudes, what's up? So they jump in the van, and so now it's the three of us, three backpacks, the woman, and her two kids in the van, and we took off. Now, within probably an hour, she realized that we're all nice guys. There's zero danger. You know, we're cool. We're responsible. Just nice kids. And so she said, you guys drive? Yeah, of course we drive. Would you mind driving for a while while I play with my kids? Not at all. So in the end, the three of us drove all the way to Fairbanks. She never drove again until we got there. She hung out in the back with her kids. It was fantastic. They We stopped in, I remember we stopped in, like there were little rest stops every, you know, 500 miles or something. It, it was just, it's desolate it's like you know you think the yukon is like all these forests and waterfalls and lush and all no that's bc that's british columbia the yukon is like it's like another planet it's it's just like there's nothing there it's all you know tiny little like little pine trees that don't grow more than three feet high and just windswept desolate desolate uh area and um, not a lot to see, honestly. It sounds so romantic, but I don't remember it as being uh, very interesting. I just remember it as being huge and empty. And remember, I did this trip twice. I did this again the following year uh, with a completely different cast of characters. So I've been through there twice, hitchhiking. And uh, so we're cruising along. And uh, we stop in these rest areas. I think she got room. She got a room and a shower and all that. I think she might have let us use her shower. I don't remember. But I remember we were trying to be like out of the way, you know, like, hey, you and your kids, you know, we'll drive. We help pay for gas. And um, because she was doing us such a huge favor. And, you know, we just don't, you know, so we weren't like, crashing in a room or anything like that we set up our tents outside in fact i remember in one place 
they have all this road um, equipment, um, maintenance equipment along the Alcan Highway because every winter everything freezes and the road gets completely fucked up. So it's like they're rebuilding the road every spring. And they've got huge, you know, that kind of like mining-sized equipment. If you've never seen Google some of that shit, it's like it's like they take regular trucks and steamrollers and stuff and just like pump them up with steroids or something. They're massive. They're they're on a different scale. And I remember there was a, it was really windy and I was setting up my tent and there was a huge steamroller just parked there. And the way it was parked, it broke the wind. So I set up my tent under the roller part, like right in front of it. And it was backed up like to a pile of, um, of gravel or something. I figured it was just sort of stashed there for a while between projects. Um, and to give you a sense of how big this thing was, my geodesic dome tent, I think it was a three-person tent, the North Face VE23 Boulder, if I remember correctly, um, was my tent of choice. Um, and it, so that, that was about four feet high, probably at its highest point. And that was much smaller than that was about half the size of this roller. It was sort of tucked in on the, you know, in the, the nook f- form between this giant steamroller and the ground. The only reason I remember all this in such detail is that I woke that morning to the sound of the fucking steamroll <laughs> started up the dude showed up for work and he was like jammed between this tent and the this pile of gravel and what he was doing was like backing the thing up this pile of gravel turn the the roller and then come back down almost to my tent and then turn it back up so he was like doing a you know a 600 point turn to try to pull out without bothering whoever was in the tent (laughs) which i really appreciated but it was not necessary once i heard that motor running and you know the gravel getting crushed under the the roller that was moving i i was out of my tent in a second you know i had some sort of image in my head of of you know being crushed like a like a disney cartoon character or something you know it's the kind of thing that would have happened to wiley coyote or something so anyway, um, we're uh, so we're cruising up to to uh, Fairbanks now. Couple of days, we're pulling into Fairbanks. We've become close with this woman. I forgot to mention she she was a Baha'i, which was interesting. She's one of the few Baha'i people I've known. It's a religion that's based in Iran, but it's sort of a um, it's it's like the coolest religion you can imagine. It's all about love and kindness and forgiveness and it's it's a very interesting religion. I, I looked into it a bit uh, after meeting this woman because she was such a uh, an incredibly kind and generous and trusting person. Um, so it, it made me it inspired me to look into it a bit and um yeah it sounds like if you're looking for a religion that's not full of shit that's probably a pretty good option for you anyway um we pull into fairbanks and she's she says hey you know my uncle is uh, i don't know if he was chief of police or a sergeant or something he was some sort of 
policeman and she said if you guys want a job you know maybe i could talk to him and you know maybe there's a job for the summer for you guys and and we were like no no that's cool thank you but we we were planning to go fishing and you know do the whole salmon adventure thing so we just got her to to drop us off at um a laundromat uh that we saw now keep in mind there's a lot of uh, a lot of long distance truckers a lot of people who you know work on the road and whatever so this laundromat was sort of like a deluxe laundromat it, it's kind of like you know if you see in truck stops they've got showers and they've got internet connection and they've got stuff like that these days now this was way before there was any anything called the internet but they did have showers um and it was a pretty sweet place so we uh, went in there and we decided, no, we've got to wash everything, right? Because we have been, I mean, it's, we haven't showered since, uh, probably since the ferry. We, we must have showered in her room because she wouldn't have wanted us to stink that bad. But in any case, showers had been infrequent. And we hadn't certainly hadn't done laundry since God knows when. I don't know, since a laundromat in Petersburg, maybe. In any case, um, we stuffed, the three of us, all our stuff into the big, biggest load washer there was, and or several washers. Um, so all three of us were wearing shorts with no underwear, hiking boots with no socks, and a jacket with no shirt underneath, because we everything was in the washer, right? So we're running the wash, and um, Russ decides that he wants to call his girlfriend back in uh, Utah or Colorado or wherever the hell he was from to let her know that he made it to Fairbanks because that's the big stretch, right? That's when if you're hitchhiking, you look at a map, you say, okay, I can take the ferry up the inside passage to Skagway, but how the hell do I get from Skagway to Fairbanks? Because you got to go way up through the Yukon Territory, north, 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 north. Then you catch the Alcan Highway going left and west into, into Alaska. When you cross the border from Canada into Alaska, the first town you hit is Tok, T-O-K, <laughs> which I'm sure plenty of people did Tok as soon as they got to Tok. Uh and, and then it's, yeah, I don't remember, hundreds of miles more to get to Fairbanks, which is the first you know, major city you're going to get to. And even then, it's, that's not a major city. I mean, that's, Cleveland is probably three times the size of Fairbanks. But um, so, you, uh, so he wanted to call his girlfriend to, to let her know that he'd, he'd made it through the, the most difficult, dangerous, questionable part of the trip. And across the street, there was a grocery store, and we could see there were a couple of payphones, or one payphone in, in front of the, the store. So I said, uh, yeah, I'll walk over with you. Why not? And uh, Brad said, okay, I'll, I'll hang here and, and keep an eye on the stuff. All right, great. So um, Russ and I walk across the street, and by the time we get there, someone else was using the phone. So we uh, grabbed a grocery cart. And started walking around in this supermarket. And, um, you know, it was like one of those movies where you see the, the Soviet or the Russian immigrants to America. And they're just like amazed at all the options in the supermarket. There's, you know, everything's so fresh. And there are 14 different kinds of yogurt. And there's, you know, oh my God, look at all these different cheeses. And it was just like this 
because we'd been basically eating nuts and, you know, whatever we had in our backpacks for so long, it, it just felt like, oh, my God, you know, civilization. So we're walking around with this grocery cart, and I'm pretty sure this was my idea because I remember doing this in high school. Uh, we started pretending we were shopping. So we're putting stuff in the grocery cart and we were being dumbasses. We were like, you know, tampons and diapers and like, you know, come on. Anyway, we we're putting shit in the grocery cart and then I grabbed a Snickers bar and opened it up and ate it. And then he had a, um, uh, what was it called? Kefir which is like liquid yogurt. This is the first time I'd ever heard of kefir. So he cracked one of those and drank that down and then put the, the empty in the cart. The idea being if anyone saw us, then they would just say, oh, they're going to pay for it on their way out. Sure. So then by now the phone uh, is free and he uh, goes over and uh, makes his call and I'm just sort of hanging around and then we um, we're walking back to the laundromat we just ditched the cart right so we're walking back to the laundromat and this we're halfway across the parking lot and this uh, security dude comes out and sort of jogging up behind us and he says hey you guys we saw what you did you know you were shoplifting and I think we you know, are like, oh, no, we're going back to, to get money. We left it over there. No, no, you know, you, you, okay, just come back with me. You got to whatever. He was reasonable. He wasn't being a dick. And he said, you know, you just, you got to sign this form. It's just admit you did it and you pay $20 fine and that's it. It's no big deal. All right. All right. Fine. You, you got us. Fine. So we walk back and we're not going to like, you know, we're not going to hit somebody or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's not our style. We're college kids, whatever. So we walk back in and we go up to the office. And, of course, his office is behind this huge one-way mirror that angles down onto the whole store. And from his office, you look down and you could see how obvious we were. You know, a couple of guys in shorts walking around with, you know, untied hiking boots with no socks on, jackets unzipped probably, you know, like we, I don't know what the hell we looked like, but we weren't blending in. That's for sure. So we're walking around. So we're, we're up in the office and we're talking to this guy and he's all right. He's cool. And, and we're just signing the forms and whatever. And suddenly this cop walks into the office and or and the cops like, oh, hey, what's going on here? They tell me you picked up some uh, shoplifters. Uh, yeah, yeah, these guys. Uh, it's okay. And he uh, comes over. He says, well, let's take a look at you guys. Uh, you know, stand up. Put your hands on the desk. Like, what? We're getting frisked. Yeah, frisked. Yeah. So he frisks us. And it's at this point that the bag of marijuana in my jacket pocket is found and the knife that's stuck in my right boot is found. And neither one of these things are legal in Alaska at that time. In fact, as I say, this is 1983. And uh, in those days, the law in Alaska was that each adult could, I think, have three or four plants um, marijuana was legal for personal use. If you were carrying, I think, less than, a, than an ounce, you were all right. In any case, the amount I had uh, was minuscule. It wasn't a big deal. It was not illegal. The knife was not illegal. 
um, in in Alaska, everybody's got weapons. You walk into a bar, there's a box at the near the door. Like instead of leaving your coat, you know, you leave your gun. That's that's the way Alaska is. There are guns everywhere. There are knives everywhere. It's just part of the scenery. So neither of these things was uh, technically illegal, but both were enough to make this cop not happy. And he was a dick. He was one of these guys you meet who's about five foot five and he's got a, a badge and a pistol and a fucking attitude. So he decides he's going to teach us a fucking lesson. And next thing you know, we're handcuffed. The two of us are fucking handcuffed. Our hands cuffed behind our backs. And this cop says, let's go. And he leads us down the stairs, out the back of the grocery store, I mean, from the back of the grocery store, through the grocery store. And I, I remember this so perfectly. We were walking down the milk aisle, which was like a, a wide aisle toward the door. And there was this black kid working there who was restocking the milk. And he looked up and saw the two of us coming down in handcuffs. And he started laughing so hard. He was like burying his head in the milk, <laughs> the milk shelf. He was laughing so hard. And I, I mean, come on, it was silly. It was stupid. It was, I mean, I'm sure everyone heard, hey, those two idiots with the, like they were shoplifting, they busted them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. But handcuffs? Are you fucking kidding me? So this guy puts us in the back of his police car and I'm still thinking like, okay, maybe this is just to scare us. You know, he's going to, you know, teach us a, a little lesson. That's fine. You know, we'll, we'll play along with that. But the problem is that's not what it was. He was taking us to prison. And again, this is 30 years ago, but in those days there were no jails in Alaska. There were just medium and maximum security prisons. So if you were in for drunk driving or you didn't pay your alimony or you know whatever minor bullshit that normally you would go to a jail where they hold you for a while and then you know you'll see the judge and whatever you deal with it pay your fine whatever no no they didn't have them so this guy took us to a place that was called Fairbanks Correctional Center it was a medium security prison I don't know if it was state or federal. It must have been state. But it was Fairbanks Correctional Center, home of the FCC Eagles, as I recall. Uh, and he dropped us there, you know, with the booking guys and the warden and all that. And then he drove away. Now, this was Memorial Day weekend, 1983. It must have been a Thursday evening. Um, because we ended up staying there until Tuesday morning, which is when the, the courts opened again. So we were going to be in this prison um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, five nights. Long weekend. The guy booking us in, also a black guy. Not a lot of black people in Alaska, but 
that's why I, I mention it. You know, it stands out that uh, this was another black guy. Uh, he, part of the process of booking me in was taking my possessions, which the cop gave to him, which included a bag of weed and a pipe and my knife. And he was looking at our arrest report and he said, a fucking Snickers bar and some yogurt. Really? That's what you guys are in for? What'd you do? Did you like, you sass this guy? You, you know, you hit him like, no, dude, we didn't do anything. This guy's just got a fucking bug up his ass. I don't know why we're here. So he, another thing I remember is he said, um, I said something about, uh, um, I said like, am I, am I going to get that weed back when I get out of here? And he looked at me and sort of smiled. He said, no, dude. And I said, well, then as far as I'm concerned, it never existed. That's okay with me. And the pipe, too. And he was like, yeah, yeah, okay. In other words, dude, you can have the weed, right? Like, let's just say it doesn't exist. You keep it. Because weed in Alaska is very expensive. Because everything in Alaska is very expensive because it's all shipped in. Nothing grows there, right? I mean, there is weed there. I remember, what was it called? Matanuska Thunderfuck was the, the weed that, that we got up there because it was grown in the Matanuska Valley. And they would like start it indoors and then move it out, you know, in May, June, you know, when there weren't any frosts anymore. And you get like 24 hour sunlight pretty much, and maybe like 19, 20 hour sunlight. And the stuff would just grow like crazy for a couple of months. But that's all you got is a couple of months. So, um, And that stuff isn't harvested and cured and all that until late in the season. So you might be getting that in October, November. But, man, in May, it's pretty fucking dry. So uh, my little bag of weed probably made that guy happy. But uh, he made me happy. He made us happy, too, because, um, you know, we got the full intake procedure, you know, sprayed with some sort of nasty shit. And, you know, they took away our, our, our boots and laces, belts, all that. We didn't wear prison garb. I don't think, I think they let us, I think they left us in our clothes. I'm not, I'm not real clear on that, but, um, but in any case, what this guy said was, I'm not going to put you guys in with the general population. You're going to sleep in the gym on cots and you're going to be alone in there at night during the day you're going to be with everyone else what you got to do is never ever leave each other alone you stay together you go to the bathroom together you shower together you go to every meal together you are always together and as long as you do that you guys will get out of here okay and that's uh yeah, so, I mean, this this is all, you know, maybe two hours since we ate that fucking, since I ate that fucking Snickers bar. And we're sitting there going through all this intake procedure. And he says, you got a phone call. You want to call anybody? And Russ said no. And I was thinking like I could call my parents right but my parents are in Pennsylvania that's a long way from here and what are they gonna do they're gonna freak out they're gonna suffer that my dad's gonna you know find the first plane he can get from Harrisburg Pennsylvania to Fairbanks Alaska you know what's that gonna be 
and then what's he going to do? He's going to like come up here and hire a lawyer. And I mean, nah, this is bullshit. This is going to go away. And he's not, and they wouldn't be able to save us anyway from what, you know, the next few days. So we said, um, yeah, we'd like to call this laundromat. And we called the laundromat. And uh, the guy, the owner answered, and, and I said, is there, a, is there a guy who's been there for a few hours looking kind of worried? And he said, yeah, yeah, the black guys. Like, yeah. So Brad came over and got on the phone. He said, where the fuck are you guys? You guys, what the fuck? What's going on? I said, Brad, man, we're in prison. <laughs> I told him what happened, and he just cracked up. Yeah. So Brad had to deal with the rest of the laundry. In the next episode of Talking Out My Ass, uh, I'll tell you what it was like in prison and some of the uh, interesting characters that we met there. Uh, <laughs> some real interesting characters. But that's enough for now. I'm tired of, uh, I've, I've heard enough of myself talking out my ass for today. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, and uh, tell your friends if, if you want to, if maybe they want to hear some of these stories. Thanks for your support. Bye. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation to the ground.